Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Good evening. How's it going, GR Dad? Good. Ready to talk about murder. And adjacent crimes, yes. I think we have almost all murder. Yay! (laughs) It's okay with the non-murder things, too. I know. Uh, This is a tough one this week, too. Oh, great. I have not had enough to drink for the emotional roller coaster. Okay, go ahead. All right, so... Dive in. It's the day before Thanksgiving. A woman is walking (sighs) Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. the woods Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. near Vacacut Channel uh, by the Vacacut Bridge. In... Yes, Becca Cut yeah. is like a channel. Next it? to Becca Key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then around 2 p.m., her body is found by a man who's fishing nearby on the shore. Uh, she's naked, and the sheriff comes, and he says it looks like she's been dragged off the walking path into the brush. Well, at least I know who the victim is in this one. So the area where they found the body, there were tire marks, and then there were a bunch of broken aftermarket car parts that, you know, had like fallen off a car laying around near where the body was. And uh, then a few hours later, deputies are driving and they see a 2001 Dodge van in the Kmart parking lot. And uh, that car has some damage. It's missing some parts that match the parts that had fallen off a car right where the body was found on Vacakee. And uh, there's a bunch of branches stuck under the car that match the trees where the body was found. Open and shut case. Yeah, no, it's real obvious who did this. When was this whole thing? When was the woman found? What year? What day? 2018. Yeah, so this is pretty recent. Sorry, I just know it's a 2001 Dodge now. Old Dodge, yeah. Oh yeah, so that Dodge was old. Okay, so yeah, they're like, obviously this is the car. So uh, they go up to the van and in it they find a dude named Wolf. He's got a bed, he's got a stove, his clothes are hanging up there. He's clearly living in the car. All right, so we've got Stephen Wolf, this guy. And uh, so we know probably who the murderer is. It's this guy, but we don't know who the victim is. We just know that there's a naked body found in the woods. This is almost sad. Yeah, it is. So uh, she was a white woman. She was 50 to 60 years old, sandy brown hair, about five foot eight. She weighed 150 to 180 pounds. And, you know, they do what they can to check her. So they take her fingerprints. Uh, they use facial recognition software. And uh, at the time, you know, when they arrested this guy, none of that had worked. So they didn't know who it was. So they put out a call for people to try to identify her. But eventually, after about a week, the fingerprints did identify her. Uh, But before we talk about her, let's talk a little bit more about Stephen Matthew Wolf. Okay, this isn't going to make me any happier. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, So they start looking this guy up. He has an extensive criminal history. He's from Boise, Idaho. And in 1977, when he was, I think, 17 years old, or I guess in All right, so 1977, he's convicted of a crime that he committed the year before in 1976. He was 17 years old then. Him and a bunch of his friends, three friends, go over to the house of this guy in Boise, Idaho, named Enrico Flory, and murdered him 
they suffocated this guy so they could steal his social security check. It was worth one hundred nineteen dollars. Wow. Uh, the guy that they killed, Enrico Flori, was seventy-seven years old. He was known as the Catman of Bella Street in Boise. Uh, everybody really seemed to like the guy, and they just sort of randomly picked him, decided to kill him, got one hundred nineteen dollars that they split four ways, I guess, and uh, and they got arrested. Uh, so I looked a lot into this case and. The, the only real stuff that I could find beyond, like, the, the main article about the murder is that there was some back and forth about whether or not he could be, Stephen Wolf could be tried as an adult because he was 17 yeah. uh, when he committed the crime. But he was tried as an adult. He got a 30-year sentence for murdering the guy. In 1988, while he was serving that sentence, he got another year added on for a drug possession charge. So he possessed drugs in the penitentiary. Um and then in 1991, he had been granted parole, but they revoked his parole because he had a positive drug test for amphetamines. And so uh, they only revoked it for six months. And so in July, uh, he was supposed to get out. And instead, he got out in uh, December of 1997. So wow, he was in jail for a long time. And then he got out after murdering someone and made his way down to the Keys. So yeah, eventually, now that he's down in the Keys, he commits another murder. Um, and after a week after the body was found, they identified her as Michelle Osborne. Um, she lived in Marathon. Seems like she was homeless living down there. Um, she's originally from Janesville, Wisconsin. She had been a manager at a substance abuse center. Uh, she'd lived in Las Vegas. She had two adult children. And then we don't know why, had come down to the Keys and apparently was homeless. Uh, the autopsy said that she had been raped and then strangled. So uh, obviously we know who did it because Stephen Matthew Wolf left a ton of evidence behind. Uh, so a grand jury indicted him on a first-degree murder charge in January of this year, 2019. Um, and the reason that they went to the grand jury is because they intend to seek the death penalty, which we have good. in Florida. Good. And uh, Seems like a reasonable safeguard, but good that they asked in this case. And that's where the case stands at this point. So uh, as we know from all these stories that we've told, it takes a long time for them to work their way through the system, and he was just indicted in January. So he's currently in the Monroe County Jail. I looked him up, and uh, he has charges for tampering with or fabricating physical evidence, murder. It just says murder, dangerous, depraved, without premeditation, and then failure to report a death to the medical examiner. That's what's listed on his, uh, his jail card. No. So. Okay, so that's a real short one. And in fact, that's the theme for our podcast today. The theme for this week is quickies. I have a whole bunch of these that are real short. So that's what we're doing this week. You can't see GR Mom's face, but she's very proud of herself for that one. <laughs> I don't know why. Just because you're like, whoa, we're done so fast. Is that only a seven-minute murder? Yeah. yeah. So I've had this collection of like, these are interesting cases, but there's not a ton to say. So uh, we're going to go through them. Cool. Indeed. So here's our second quickie. Lay it on me. Quick hits for the internet age. For those who scroll through things quickly. Going back to 1974 for this one. So February 1st, 1974, uh, a body of a baby girl was found just off the beach 
just south of Route 1 on Little Duck Key, which is right by the Seven Mile Bridge, the marathon side, I think, of the Seven Mile Bridge. Uh, the baby was wrapped in a yellow plastic garbage bag, and then that was wrapped in two sheets, and then that was wrapped in another yellow plastic garbage bag. Um, the sheets had a bunch of blood on them, and they think that these may be the sheets that the baby was born on. So this is a newborn, like immediately newborn baby, uh, 21 inches long, eight pounds. The umbilical cord was still attached, but she had been born alive and had been strangled within hours of her birth with a strip of the seam from one of the sheets. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. It's not like this was a stillborn baby and nobody, you know, somebody didn't know how to get rid of it. She was strangled. Um, and interestingly, the sheets, one of the sheets was stamped National Linen Service. So this would be sheets that, you know, are commercially laundered, not something that you would just have in your house. So, you know, it seems like it's someone who had a baby who wasn't planning on it. You know, I picture sort of like a teenager who's kind of denying that they're pregnant for a long time and then just kind of refusing to think about it. And then all of a sudden they have this baby and I can like understand the panic at that. At the same time, you don't get to just kill the baby, right? You could drop it at a hospital. You could drop it at a police station or a fire station. Like there's a lot of stuff you could do that aren't strangling the baby and leaving it. Um, and so... You know, I, I have some sympathy for the situation of the person who killed this baby, but not enough to be like, yeah, well, you know, it happens. <laughs> you know, it's not okay. Um, yeah. So they don't know who the mother is or who either of the parents are. So uh, they couldn't figure it out. They asked at the time if anyone knows any women who may have checked into a hospital to be treated for bleeding or if anyone uh, was in a hotel room or a motel room and uh, there was like maybe a lot of blood on something because since there was that stamp from the National Linen Service, they think there's, you know, probably a hotel that or a motel that had those sheets. Um, so they still haven't figured it out. Just one other thing that I wanted to add on to this is that uh, so they think the baby had been in the water for a couple days and I got the incident, the initial complaint report from the Monroe County Sheriff. Uh, and there's like a picture of it that was with one of these stories. And it says, uh, the Marine, a Marine Patrol officer had been contacted by two hippies who advised them that they found the baby of a young white female partially developed, I'm sorry, partially decomposed and wrapped in a blanket. Um, I just like that that says two hippies because, you know, it really says something about the times that, like, that's a descriptor. When was this? 1974. This was a thing. Hippies were self-proclaimed hippies. Uh, Hey, man, we're hippies. So this is unsolved. So if uh, if you know anyone who went down to the Keys in, like, January of 1974 and came home looking a little bit lighter, you can... Contact the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. Quick hit number two. Quickie number three. Coming back to the present. December 30th, 2018. Oh, I'm a, a whip, whiplash from all the time travel. <laughs> we were in the keys for this one. Damn. I know, right? Wait, no, when, when was this? Again? December 30th, 2018. Okay. Okay. So four people. Matthew White. Mark, Luke, and John. No. Matthew White, 27. Okay. His neighbor, Thomas Rafferty, who's 55, and then two more people, 
White's roommate, and then another eyewitness who goes unnamed. So we have White, Rafferty, roommate, witness. Person number four. Where is this? Cedar Key. So this is actually, I think, not part of the like Monroe County Keys. It is an island, uh, but it's up a little bit more like on the Gulf side, like around towards Naples. Uh, so it's not like in our main chain, but whatever. Like, I think it still counts. Hmm. Not, not Key West. So the witness is providing this story. Though she's not the only witness, she's just the one that's providing this story. So everyone's hanging out together at Matthew White's house. They're having drinks, they're hanging out. Uh, and then the witness and the roommate get in an argument. So the two unnamed people. And uh, Matthew White breaks it up. So whatever, separates them. And then he, le- then he, Matthew White, leaves the house for several hours, <laughs> and he comes back. Okay. The witness and the roommate are at it again, and the neighbor, Rafferty, is, like, egging them on, encouraging them to fight. Do you think he's that, or he's, like, stirring up trouble and being like, I bet you couldn't fight him again. I bet you couldn't take him this time. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, Rafferty's encouraging them to fight. Okay, so White comes home. He finds... The witness and his roommate arguing again. Rafferty's encouraging them to fight, and this pisses him off. So White walks up. He punches Rafferty, the neighbor, who's egging on the fight, and then the eyewitness is like, whoa, and she steps in and tries to separate the two of them. Rafferty backs away from White, who just punched him in the face, and then White just, like, goes crazy. So he goes after Rafferty, the neighbor, again. He kicks him backwards through a doorway out onto the back deck of his two-story house, and then kicks him again so he falls off the deck. He falls about six feet down to the kind of marshy, shell-encrusted space under the house, and then White jumps off the deck after him, picks up a board, and then hits Rafferty twice in the head and then drags him into the water and holds his face down in the water until he drowns. So Jeez, like, oh, Pete. Yeah. He's not just, oh, I'm pissed off that you're encouraging these people to fight. Stop it. Like, he just goes berserk, kicks this guy literally out the house, onto the ground, hits him in the head, and then drowns him in the ocean. Yeah, so it's like everybody's having some drinks, there's a little bit of drama, and then the neighbor's like, yeah, yeah, you should fight him. Yeah, and then dude walks in and he's like, none of this bullshit in my house. Like, attacks him, kicks him, drowns him in the ocean. 30 seconds later, he's dead. So meanwhile, a neighbor, who's not one of these four people, sees this, calls the police, and they're like, um, something bad just happened here? So, uh, the Cedar police come, they find the body just laying on the shoreline, Right, he just drowns the guy, leaves him there because he's done. Uh, so yeah, they go in and uh, and they arrest White. They detain the witnesses. Roommate and witness number four. Yeah, roommate and witness number four. I mean, this seems pretty open and shut too. I know. Uh, White was under the influence of methamphetamine, so. Don't do drugs, Don't people. Do drugs. So, uh, yeah, that case, I mean, that just happened. So that obviously hasn't gone to trial yet. Duh. Quick hit. Meth, man. Don't do meth. Yeah. Don't kill someone just because they're yes, an- annoying you. I mean, for, wow. Don't murder people. Dude. I just say that witness number four did not do a good job breaking it up. 
Clearly not. She failed. No, indeed. Sorry about this. All right, we got one more quick hit. Quick hit number four. This is better than number three. <laughs> this is our last one. I had no idea. I, I, ne- I never know what's going on. I didn't know it was one, two, three, or four. There's four. What a bonus. Okay, so uh, we're ending on a little bit of a downner. That wasn't a downer? Any one of these would, was a downer. Well, you'll yeah. see. Right, 2014. Oh, no. 2014. July 16th, it's just after midnight, 48-year-old man John Marandino lights his apartment on fire to try to kill himself. If this is the end, it is a downer. So he doesn't die. Oh, (laughs) fuck. But his two cats die. You light your house on fire, and then you burn your two cats up to death. Also, why didn't they run away? I mean, they could have been locked in there. There's fuck. Fire yeah, he's trying him. to kill himself, and he's like, I'm going to take my cats with me. Oh, what a jerk. So the cats die, he didn't die, and the reason that he didn't die is that he's in an apartment, and that's in a building where other people also have apartments, and so the neighbors smell the smoke or see the smoke and call the fire department, and they're like, hey, the apartment building is on fire. Uh, and so the fire department shows up. They find him in his apartment in a bathtub full of water and while the paramedics are tending to him he tells them that he lit the apartment on fire in purpose on purpose so he could kill himself he gets arrested and charged with arson i would go attempted murder of himself of other people of the other people in the apartment building so i don't know if he had taken a bunch of pills or drank something yeah, we're going to do everything. We're going to take the pills. We're going to drink. We're going to slit the wrist. We're going to light the apartment on fire. It still didn't work. But the cats burned to death. Yeah. Poor cats. Hopefully they died of smoke inhalation and not like catching on fire. Probably, um, probably smoke inhalation. But anyway, they arrested him on two counts of attempted murder, arson, and two counts of animal cruelty. Good. Okay, so that's 2014 for that. He gets arrested. Uh, in 2016... He's still awaiting trial. He's being held by the Monroe County Sheriff. And and I just was, you know, trying to look up what happened to his case. And uh, so in 2016, he's on a bus being transported from Key West Jail to Plantation Key Jail. So they've got a Bluebird bus. It's northbound on Route 1 being driven by Deputy Zachary Gilroy, 23. He's in the center turn line turn lane so he's northbound he's trying to take a left across route one he's in the center turn lane now coming southbound on route one is this guy from myrtle beach he's driving a jeep wrangler and the deputy and the article is really clear about this it's not like oh that dude from south carolina causing trouble no the deputy just turned into the path of the wrangler uh the wrangler or the guy driving the wrangler tries to avoid but can't help it and crashes into the side of the bus, uh, which is carrying our cat-murdering, suicide-wanting guy, John Marandino. Uh, He's fine. Pretty much everybody's fine. One person goes to the hospital with injuries, one of the inmates, but everybody else is fine, and apparently so is the guy driving the Wrangler that got cut off by the bus. So (laughs) that's just a little interesting side note. So anyway, uh, he was convicted... He got four years on the arson and two counts of killing an animal. That makes sense. And uh, he was convicted. He didn't plead. We don't know. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I just looked him up um, in the Florida inmate directory. Um, so it just said four years. 
Um, and he was released in December of 2018. Well, I think he's living in Tavernier now. Guy's a mess, but, you know, probably okay. But I wouldn't want him as a neighbor. No. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Don't get any more pets. Uh, Also, I would not sell him a dog, yeah. You might not be able to get a pet if you have a felony animal cruelty charge. Sometimes you get a ban. I mean, a a normal, like, adoption service would check these things, I would think, right? I would think so, Would they do a criminal background check? That depends. Might be a good idea. Indeed. You don't want to give a guide dog to a murderer. So that's like an attempted murder in paradise, but the cats died, so I'm counting it as like a full-on murder. Yeah, I, I, I like the self-murder idea, too. That's a that's a whole new thing. All right, are you ready for a dog palate cleanser? Yep. Okay, so we have Mortimer. So he's a very cute... I think he's a bulldog. Doesn't he look like a bulldog? I think he does. He's, he ups, he's upside down in this picture. He's got a tummy ache. Oh, Mortimer. He goes to the vet at the MSPCA. That's in Massachusetts. Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty for Animals. Indeed. So they give him some medicine. They send him home. The medicine helps a little bit, but then it stops working. He's not better. So by the middle of May, he's not himself. He used to follow his mom all around. He doesn't follow her anymore. He's just not himself. He stops eating. Holy smokes. Yep, something's really wrong. So she brings him back into the vet. They get some x-rays and they go, well, there's definitely some stuff in there so he has a foreign object is it a mysterious foreign object well they have to go in and do surgery and what they found is that he'd eaten 19 of the baby's pacifiers oh mortimer you <laughs> it's like ding-dong. a gallon of pacifiers it's a whole pile of they're all big green pacifiers like the baby had one kind of pacifier <laughs> yeah, like, this is the one the baby wants and they're like why do you keep losing the pacifiers you need to pay more attention i'm not the one losing the pacifiers well somebody's losing the pacifiers baby keeps dropping them and mortimer's like hey 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so apparently he started eating them in April. He'd get sick, he'd throw up, but then he'd eat another one. Oh, Mortimer. Uh, So anyway, they got all of them out, and he's all better now. Now he chews gum. So here's this picture of him with the baby. He's a big fan of the baby. Yeah, he's just waiting for the next pacifier to fall out. (laughs) I bet he was pulling them out of the baby's mouth. (laughs) Probably. He just goes up to the baby, and he's like, ow, that's mine now. Baby cries. Oh, a new pacifier. (laughs) Mortimer's like, this is a great system. So uh, we'll post some pictures of Mortimer. Anyway, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a crime-free week. Don't conk out. Don't conk out. Bye. (laughs) Bye.